Welcome to Obsessed with Design, a show about what makes designers tick. I'm your host, Josh Miles. I'm a principal and brand strategist at Miles Herndon, a branding agency in beautiful downtown Indianapolis. Today on Obsessed with Design, I catch up with logo designer and lettering artist Kelly Hume. We talk about his beginnings, how he got into logo design, and how he's done some lettering work for a few of the Major League Baseball All-Star Games. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Kelly Hume. Okay, guys, welcome all the way from Bainbridge Island, Washington State, Kelly Hume. Kelly Hume Design specializes in lettering, logos, and graphic illustration for print, packaging, film, television, and the web. Clients include ad agencies, design firms, film studios, and corporations throughout the U.S. and Canada. Kelly was born and raised in Iowa and attended the University of Iowa for one year before moving to L.A. to complete his studies in advertising illustration at Art Center College of Design. His freelance work, which began during college, has continued to grow ever since. Kelly lives with his wife and son on Bainbridge Island in Washington State. Kelly, welcome to Obsessed with Design. Hi, Josh. So Kelly, I meet a lot of guests in a lot of different ways, but you might be the first one that I've connected with just because we were on your email marketing list. (laughs) So I want to jump into some of the work in particular from your email marketing efforts that caught my eye. But um, maybe before we do that, um, I always love to ask our guests a little bit about their origin story. So tell me about how you found your way into this world of graphic design and lettering and type design. Well, I always enjoyed uh, doing artwork and um, where I grew up in Iowa, there wasn't a lot of opportunity for there weren't a lot of artists around, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Um, but my father got in touch with a local commercial artist who recommended that um, I either go to Pratt in New York City or Art Center in uh, Pasadena, California. And so I visited Pasadena first and uh, never went to Pratt. <laughs> um, I liked <laughs> what I saw there and certainly the the climate was great and it seemed like a positive place to to move to. I have since been to Pratt um, in New York City, and it it also looks kind of cool. But uh, my choice was Art Center, and and uh, I was always kind of the best artist in my class uh, as a kid, and wanted to make a living at it, and thought that probably being a painter would be a difficult living. So I turned to graphic design and and uh, chose that as a career. So when you went to um art center that was starting out as a like graphic design major then uh yeah it was actually there was a hybrid major called advertising illustration which was half advertising classes and half uh illustration classes there was also a graphic design major which i did not take um but i i actually consider my work to be more illustrative than pure graphic design because even though it has to do with lettering mostly and type, I kind of draw things from scratch as opposed to um, what I see as the majority of graphic design is rearranging existing elements. Sure. So did you uh, begin your freelance career immediately in school? I know your your bio kind of implies this as much, but did you have an agency job or other 
kind of positions before starting your own thing? Uh, yes, I did. Um, during school, I started freelancing. Uh, they had a job board at school and I would get little freelance jobs off of that board. But I supplemented that with a part-time job at a print shop for a couple of years and worked there right out of school and then continued to freelance in the evenings and on weekends and eventually uh, built up my practice enough where I could uh, support myself on pure freelance. Very cool. Well, if I had to guess, I would say that your your studio today is just you, but tell us a little bit about how you're set up and and why that size has worked for you. Um, I've always been a, <laughs> I've been working on my own. I've, I certainly collaborate with a lot of people, but uh, mostly it's long distance. I have clients that I've worked for for 20 years that I've never met, which is uh, probably an unusual circumstance. But um, my clients are far ranging and uh, in geographically, and I seem to be able to get it done. My, my work changed tremendously in the early, what would that be, the late 80s or the early 90s. Um, I used to live in Los Angeles and I would have to get in my car and drive a sketch all the way across the city mm. and then come back and work in the evenings on the finished art and then drive the finished art all the way across the city. And, uh, I <laughs> which was, is not I was, as simple as it sounds in LA. <laughs> yeah, right. It took hours and hours of my time. And then, um, they invented the fax machine and that was a tremendous boon to, to getting sketches out to people. <laughs> And then in the mid nineties, I got my first personal computer and that changed everything again. So I've seen a lot of evolution in this industry. Well, maybe you can fill us in on, you know, as a, as a solo entrepreneur, what, what a typical day looks like for you, because I would imagine you've got part of that time as, uh, you know, administrative or answering emails or on the phone or go to meeting or who knows what, but, um, and then I'm sure there's actually some time where you actually get to do design work even. So what, <laughs> yeah. what's kind of your, your split? Um, I know you mentioned to me before the call that you're doing some teaching as well. And I right. guess what, so what's a typical week or day look like for you? Yeah, I teach uh, two classes at the art Institute of Seattle. Um, that's on Wednesdays. So Wednesdays are a pretty structured day. The other days are much less structured. Um, I kind of go with the flow as to what's needed at any particular time. If I wake up and there's no pressing job, then I might send out invoices or send Josh an email. Um, <laughs> but uh, if, um, if there's a job to be done, then I'll get on that. And uh, sometimes the deadlines are tight and I need to work into the evenings or on the weekends. So it's, it's been a very uh, flexible, sometimes frustrating uh, career. But uh, it also allowed me to be the, the coach of my son's little league team and uh, participate in his life in ways that I probably couldn't have had if I had had a nine to five kind of gig. Yeah. And it, it sounds like there's maybe a mix of um, freelance or agency clients as well as direct clients. And what yes. what's that mix look like for you? It changes all the time and not to be vague or anything, but uh um, I have some reps who who carry my work and sometimes they're quite productive and other times I don't hear from them for weeks or months. So uh, it's hard to count on that work. I send out email promos and sometimes get a good response on those and sometimes that's not so good. 
and I have longtime clients whose needs uh, fluctuate from being very busy to uh, sometimes slow. So sometimes my schedule is packed and sometimes uh, not so much. So, but I've learned to live with that. Had you been working with uh, reps or agents kind of from the beginning or is that a recent thing for you? Uh, the beginning was uh, 35 years ago now. I'm 58 years old. So not quite from the beginning, but probably 30 years ago, I started working with reps. And uh, I'm, the agent or the representation job has changed a lot also in the mm-hmm. evolution of this industry. Um, reps borders used to be very defined, like a, a rep would be an L.A. rep or a New York rep. And now with the Internet, it's everyone's repping everywhere and stepping into each other's territories and such. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a much more kind of confusing situation. But uh, I don't know if it's for the better or worse. And it sounds like you have more than one rep that you work with. So are they more vertical centered? Like is one more entertainment or more sports or like how do they kind of split duties or do they just overlap? <laughs> uh, there's a lot of overlap. And uh, I guess uh, they still tend to be pretty regional. Like I have a rep in Toronto and I've worked for on a couple of jobs from New York f- with them, but uh, mostly it's been Toronto jobs and I have a rep in Minneapolis and I think everything's been from Minneapolis with that rep. Um, so they tend to be regional still, even though I guess cause they can develop relationships in their hometown a little easier than they can uh, long distance. Yeah. I suppose that makes sense. Yeah. And so some of the clients ultimately that you've done work for, um, from your website include Vans, Budweiser, Microsoft, Toyota, Smirnoff, um, you know, little brands that nobody's ever heard of before. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm, I'm curious in your experience working with them and, you know, and perhaps, you know, some that maybe nobody has heard of before, but what are those common things that make for a great client and how do you, how do you identify those? Hmm. Um, well, most of my work with those big names that you've mentioned has been very second or third hand. Um, like an agency in St. Louis will call me on a Friday night because they've run out of time or ideas and they need something for Monday or Tuesday to show to Budweiser. Mm -hmm. And so I don't really work directly with Budweiser. There have been rare occasions where I've worked directly with large companies and that's great because there's <laughs> there's not all these middlemen meetings and such to to deal with. But uh, for the most part, it's been uh, I'm behind the scenes providing uh, supplemental sketches or sometimes finished art for uh, for these agencies that handle these large accounts. So is it is it more about what makes an agency a good fit then or a particular agency? How do you like what are the the green lights that you look for, or maybe some of the, the red flags. Yeah, I guess, uh, a green light would be, uh, when, when someone knows what they want, the hardest jobs are when people just have a very vague idea of what they're looking for and they'll kind of know it when they see it sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um, that can be kind of frustrating. It can be very creative if they're open, truly open to, to, uh, 
a multitude of ideas, but, uh, and if they have a budget for that sort of thing, but, uh, when people are, I guess the worst client is when they have a small budget and they don't know what they want. And the best <laughs> client is when they kind of know what they want and they have a large budget, but, uh, there's everything in between as well. Sure. Well, that makes sense. Is that vague enough? <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, the work that I alluded to at the top of the interview, um, was some of the stuff that you had done for major league baseball in particular, uh, the Mets and the blue Jays, some, some type design for, for jerseys and whatnot. Tell me about how those projects came to be. Uh, those weren't actually type design for jerseys. They were based on the, um, those were fonts that I developed based on the existing, uh, type that's already on their jerseys and, mm -hmm and uh, kind of represents their teams. In both of those cases, I didn't work directly for the Major League Baseball. I worked for an agency in New Jersey that works with Major League Baseball, and they develop all the identity for the All-Star games. So uh, when an All-Star game comes to New York or to uh, Toronto, they they want to develop a lot of merchandise and materials that has the type on it that uh, matches the existing jersey type. So that's why we developed those fonts. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So does that end up being like a fully functional typeface then? So that's yeah. something that's installable and they can just go into Illustrator or InDesign and type out what they need? That's right. Uh-huh. How long have you been doing uh, like full typesets in that in that regard? creating fonts for uh, maybe 10 or 15 years. Mm -hmm. something like that. And what, uh, what portion of your business is in the, in the more type development or calligraphy design side of your business? Uh, I would say creating fonts is maybe 10% of my business and 90% is creating logos and uh, lettering and doing graphic illustration and that sort of thing. I was, uh, as I was looking for those examples from, from the email to try to kind of refresh my mind on what I had seen, I also found one that you had done that was all like hand-drawn script examples uh -huh. that you had sent out as well. Is that an area of growth as well or? Uh, it's certainly something that I, I do on a regular basis. Um, it's, Script is kind of nice because it's very hard to replicate that with an existing font on the computer. The The computer has changed my work dramatically for, for I would say, for the worse. Because uh, 30 years ago, I had an excellent hand. People would hire me to draw lettering and logos just because they couldn't draw it. and And I was the artist who could draw it. But now everyone can make some kind of a logo on their computer. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily a good one, but it's it's passable in, in many cases. So my particular hand skills are are perhaps less in demand than they they were many decades ago. So when you're doing a very hand skill driven mark these days, is that still done by hand and then vectorized or do you kind of start straight into the Mac? Uh, usually I draw it by hand and then uh, scan in the sketch and then trace it in Illustrator. Gotcha. Tell us about maybe how you handle projects. I mean, I think this happens to all of us when you have something that maybe doesn't quite go as you 
had expected or or maybe you're just kind of stuck and can't think of of what to do next what are how do you get out of those rough spots or what's kind of your (laughs) go-to certainly it happens and uh i tend to stay with the client and keep trying to solve the problem until uh, they're exhausted. I mean, um, <laughs> sometimes, uh, I don't know. It's never anyone's fault, really. It's, um, it sometimes things just don't go well and I'm not getting it or they're not, uh, providing the necessary input, but it's hard for them to do so. So I don't abandon clients. I mean, I don't say I've had enough and, uh, pay up. We're all done. I, I stick with it until, uh, we can come to some sort of resolution. And if we can't come to a resolution, uh, then we talk about a kill fee and go from there. But that's unfortunate. And fortunately, that's rare. Do you have kind of personal go-tos for for finding inspiration or getting fresh ideas? Well, Google Images is great. Um, <laughs> it, it used to be if I did a, uh, a logo with a football player in it, I had to go to the local library and look through magazines and books to find a a football player in the right kind of position to, to put in my logo and such. Um, and now I just go onto Google images and, and, uh, there's 200,000 football players to choose from. You mm. know? Right. That's been great. Um, and certainly I look at the work of my colleagues and I've been inspired by many of them and, uh, hopefully they're looking at my work too. Yeah. What about music? I saw your, um, uh, maybe on your, on your bio somewhere that you had a band. What, what role does music play in your creative process these days or your ability to kind of step away and do something else differently creatively? Well, just like my, uh, graphic design career, I'm a one man band as well. <laughs> so I, uh, <laughs> I have a home studio and I use logic, which is a music software and I can, uh, layer in uh guitars and drums and uh vocals and such and uh kelly hume and the humanoids is a i think i'm able to make tracks that sound fairly uh, full but they're they're really just me over and over <laughs> <laughs> are you still uh producing new music yeah yeah or you do you perform anywhere uh just some local uh, open mic kind of things but uh Um, I have five complete albums that I've made and, uh, they're for sale on CD baby. And, uh, I don't, I certainly couldn't, uh, keep myself in, in fresh t-shirts with, uh, the money I make from those (laughs) sales, but, uh, (laughs) it's enjoyable anyhow. And I feel like it's a, a way to express myself in ways that, uh, when I'm doing graphic design for other people, it's really their needs that I'm meeting Whereas, uh, in my songwriting and, and music production, I'm able to, uh, uh, kind of express my feelings and, and such. So on the design side, as opposed to the music side, um, we talked a little bit about how you market yourself, I guess, uh, have at least implied email and through reps and agents and whatnot. Where do you feel like your best work comes from and, what are those channels that you find most fruitful? Well, about uh, when I first got out of school in 1981, 
I worked in the print shop for two years, and then I took out an ad in uh, the workbook, which still exists. And um, it's a place where illustrators and photographers and designers can advertise, buy a page of, and show their work to uh, the rest of the community. And it was a real boon to my career. It was, um, it was magnificent. It got me doing jobs in the movie industry and really my career flourished based on the workbook alone. I would keep track of jobs that came in directly from the workbook and it was by far the greatest source of work. And then in the mid nineties, when personal computers started getting more popular, the workbook in my, at least for me, became much less a source of, uh, of work. I continued to advertise in there, but, uh, my work came more frequently from reps who carried my work around or, uh, mm-hmm. or email promotions like I sent to you or, uh, just uh, residual clients that I'd had for a while. So I stopped advertising in the workbook and I've often thought of going back in the workbook. I've asked some of my colleagues whether the workbook is still beneficial for them and haven't received very positive responses, but uh, I don't know. That's, that's kind of my history of advertising Yeah, for myself. We have a lot of young designers who listen to the show as well. And So maybe there are designers out there who are maybe working in-house or agency job or even still in school and they're thinking about wanting to do the freelance thing. What would you say to either encourage them or discourage them (laughs) from from pursuing a freelance career? Uh, And what are maybe some of the misperceptions that they may have about what that means? Hmm. Um, well, the best advice I ever received was from an illustrator who visited our class at Art Center, and he said to uh, always keep improving your portfolio, whether you're doing real jobs for people or just creating uh, new work for your portfolio, keep making it better and better all the time, because you hardly ever get a job that lives up to the potential of your portfolio. People look at your portfolio and they figure, well, he can do this, so he can probably do this. Mm -hmm. So your portfolio has to be a notch above whatever job you're aiming at. So continuing to improve your portfolio um, all the time is really important for young designers particularly. And even older designers like myself uh, need to keep rejuvenating their work and, and expanding their capabilities also learning software. I'm learning 3D software now just to be able to do that kind of thing. Hmm. So continuing to grow is important. And uh, you asked what what advice I would have to young designers who want to freelance. Yeah. I think it's a much less, how should I say it, a, a more circuitous route to success as a freelancer now than it was back when I started. Um, when I started, it was fairly obvious. You take out a work ad in the workbook and you you get some reps on your side and, and you're off. But uh, now, uh, like we were talking about, the boundaries for reps are much less defined and the workbook is much less uh, reliable. And not that it can't be done. I'm still doing it. So, But uh, I think it's uh, trickier than it used to be. So I don't have any surefire advice for young people, but, uh, you know, if that's what's in your heart, you should do it and pursue it. 
curious if you have any anything that sticks out in your mind as maybe your proudest professional moment. Uh-huh. Well, the the logo I've designed that probably most people recognize is a Bug's Life for uh, Disney. Oh yeah, and, very cool. Yeah, uh, that's one where I can show it to people and say they say you did that, and and I say yeah, I did that. <laughs> and, uh, Another proud thing, another thing that I'm proud of is uh, only yesterday I turned down a job for tobacco. I've uh, I've turned down tens of thousands of dollars worth of jobs for tobacco companies. Um, mm. It's a personal thing where my mom died of cancer and I just can't work on, on jobs like that. So I don't know that it's right or wrong for everybody, but I don't know when, when all is said and done, you have to have some principles and that's mine. <laughs> hmm. Very cool. Do you have any design heroes? Uh, yeah. Um, a guy who had great influence on me, uh, when I was at art center, he came to visit our, uh, lettering class and his name is Tom Nicosi and, uh, N I K O S E Y. And he still does, uh, uh, lettering design and, and logos. And he showed us all these cool albums he'd done for, uh, um, I don't know, Eric Clapton and a bunch of record albums. And he's, he was really good and he is really good. And he was a nice guy. And it was probably based on his visit to our class that I took out my first ad in workbook and, uh, um, created a career out of that. Um, so certainly he would be one of my heroes. I also have all the standard heroes of, you know, Paula Scher and uh, Michael Beirut and uh, the names that everybody knows. So one of the other questions I love asking everybody is, and I know this is true with me and many of the people we've interviewed, is that designers tend to be an easily obsessed group. <laughs> so I'm curious if there's anything that you would define as what you think you're most obsessed with right now. Most obsessed with, uh, well, uh, that's an easy one. My, I just designed a house where my wife and I are living on Bainbridge Island and, uh, we're in the last stages of building the house and I'm trying to, uh, even though it's not uh, graphic design, it's architecture is a form of design too. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I'm looking at every little detail and trying to uh, to make it the house that I want. So that's that's kind of what I've been obsessed with for over the last couple of years. Did you find a particular part of that process as being maybe the most challenging or the thing that you had the hardest time deciding upon? Oh, yes. Uh, doing the actual design on paper was kind of fun because that's what I'm used to doing. But trying to get that design translated by uh, construction workers is uh, Mm -hmm. the most challenging part. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And how long has that process been going on? Uh, We found a piece of land about five years ago and uh, worked with uh, an architect for over a year and uh, been building the house for a year and a half or so. So, Very cool. That's kind of where it's at. And you're uh, about to wrap up now? Yeah, yeah. I'm sitting in that house as I speak. Oh, you're sitting there. Awesome. (laughs) Very cool. You know, you've had some really cool opportunities between Bugs Life and some all-star game paraphernalia and uh, work for some really big brands. But I'm curious if you have any other dream projects that you'd still like to do in the future. 
uh, that I'd still like to do. Boy, I can think of lots of them. Uh, I'd like to do a, a logo for an airlines. That'd be cool. I'd like to do, uh, I'd like to do more movie work. That was always fun. I've done lots of movie titles, um, especially when I lived in Los Angeles and, uh, they're very creative in that they they tend to develop dozens of sketches and eventually they narrow it down to one. And it's not always the best one, but the development process is uh, the budget is good and the development goes every which way. So there's lots of creative input in those. Uh, I just did a I just did kind of a cool job for the city of Bainbridge Island. I did a, a logo for the city. Uh, where I live. So it's kind of cool to uh, go around the city and see my logo on the trucks and the <laughs> the um, signage and such. What about things that drive you crazy? Are there any trends or things that you see out in the design landscape right now? And especially the fact that you've been involved in so many facets of design, even designing your own home. Just curious what what design things you look at out there and go, man, that's that's driving me nuts. <laughs> I see a lot of uh, illustration by people that uh, don't seem to be able to draw well in a conventional sense. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's playful and uh, I can understand the appeal of it. Uh, I don't, wouldn't condemn it in any way, but uh, it just seems like it's rather frivolous in a way that uh, uh, it's kind of decorative art as opposed to well-drawn illustration. I guess that would be sort of a pet peeve. So like something that looks like uh, a child had done or something that's just like kind of scribbly or. Uh, yeah. A child or a, uh, <laughs> it's often colorful and, uh, curvy and swervy and it, it's it's real light in its uh, approach i don't know i, I don't want to name names because i'm <laughs> <it's> not saying <laughs> right. great things about it but um uh, just a lot of curly cues and and uh chickens that don't really look like chickens <laughs> kind of thing gotcha um, yeah so i guess i'm from a more harder traditional school of design where things need to be drawn more accurately. I don't know. Sure. Maybe I'm a fuddy duddy. So if you weren't doing design or illustration or, or type design, what do you think you'd be doing right now? Well, um, like I've, I've experimented with music and I've experimented with architecture and those two things appeal to me in some respects. Certainly I'm a creative individual and, uh, that's where my my uh, personality and my heart has been for all of my life, really. Um, I'm not sure why, but uh, that's what I that's what I would lean towards is some kind of creative occupation. I recently visited a sheet metal shop because I needed to get some uh, little pieces for the house that I'm working on. And I went through the sheet metal factory and there were all these men, uh, my age and younger bending sheet metal for a living. And I thought, my gosh, I, 
I could not do that for a living because it's just not creative. And it's, uh, there's nothing wrong with being a sheet metal fabricator, but uh, it's not what I'm after. What do you think you'll be doing in, in 10 years? In 10 years, I'll be 68. I hope I'm alive. And <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, in 10 years, I hope to be uh, more creative than I am now. That's uh, creativity keeps me going. We talked to, uh, to Mackie Saturday a couple of weeks back and he's a, he's a new principal at Tremayef and, um, I always say their name wrong, but the, the gents there are still in their eighties and still cranking uh-huh. out brand design and logo design. And, yeah. um, it's, it's just, uh, it's awesome to, to see that, you know, commitment to the creative craft and. I don't know if that'll be me or not, but it's, it's, it's admirable to, to see yeah. that in somebody else. Fortunately, it's an occupation that you doesn't require a whole lot of physical exertion. <laughs> right. So uh, as an older person, you can, you can still keep at it. And as long as your mind stays fresh here, you can produce fresh designs. Right. You don't have to be able to lift so many pounds with your lower right. back or anything in particular. Right. Or so, bend that sheet metal. Yeah. As long as you can bend that vector handle, then you're, you're <laughs> yeah. still okay. Yeah. Well, Kelly, before we let you go here, um, maybe tell us a little bit about where our listeners can find you online and different reps, perhaps, or maybe a little bit about the music as well. Sure. The best place to find my work online is uh, www.kellyhumedesign.com. And uh, you can always send me an email at kelly at kellyhumedesign.com. And my music can be found at Kelly Hume and the humanoids.com. And that's where, where I'm at. Excellent. And of course, anybody from the agency world who's looking for some freelance help with logos or lettering, be sure to give Kelly a shout and, uh, Kelly, I'd love to thank you for hanging out with me today. And thanks for being obsessed with design. Okay, guys, that's episode number 85 in the books for all of today's show notes, head over to obsessed show.com. Click on episodes for full audio recordings. And of course, if you're in iTunes, click over to that subscribe button if you haven't already. And we'd love a rating or review to help other people find the show. If you're on the Twitters, tweet at obsessed show or at Josh miles and let us know who you think you'd like us to interview next. We're always looking for great ideas, and if you have an introduction for us, that's even better. Obsessed with Design is a product of the Design Obsessed team at Miles Herndon, a branding agency in beautiful downtown Indianapolis. Visit milesherndon.com to learn more. Thanks to Jen Eds at the Brassy Broadcast Company for always editing our show and making us sound our best. Visit brassybroad.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.